Yechezkel chapter 47. Chapter 47. Vayoshiveni lo petach abayit midei mayim yotzim mitachat miftan abayit kodima kipnei abayit kodim vamayim yodim mitachat miketef abayit hayimonit minegev ramizbeach. Yechezkel was led back. Yechezkel said, I was led back. He led me back, literally, to the entrance of the temple. And I found that water was issuing from below the platform of the temple. Now remember, in Yechezkel's vision, there were three levels. Each each you were sent to through steps. Yechezkel has steps. You were sent by seven steps to the first level, eight steps to the second level, the priestly level, and then there are an additional ten steps to what we call the temple. Passageway to the, the temple, there's a passageway, there's the court of the, the Heichal, the inside place, and then there's the inner, inner place. One might say the Holy of Holies. So he's led, not inside the temple, but he's at the, he's at the door. Petach And he sees that water is issuing from beneath the temple. Platform means beneath that third level. From beneath the temple, water is issuing. The water was running out south of the altar under the south wall of the temple. So we have this remarkable vision where the temple is a source of water and water is running out. And Yechezkel then is brought out. Vayotzieni, Derechshar he is brought out by way of the northern gate, led around to the outside of the outer gate that faces in the direction of the east. Because he don't go out the east gate, so he has to be taken around. And he sees water gushing from under the wall. And here there's a man, there's one who's leading him. So we're told that he's being led out by the same man, the guy. And the guy has a measuring line in his hand. And called a kav, in verse number three, kav biyado, he measures a thousand cubits, and he, in verse number three, and then he measures another thousand cubits, and the water keeps on getting higher and higher. At this point, it's up to his, first his ankles, then it's knee deep, rikayim, then he measures another thousand cubits, and it's even further. It's uh, up to his waist in verse number four. And then in verse number five, another thousand cubits. He can't cross. Water's too high. So because the water had come to a point, was swollen into a stream, could not be crossed. Unless you swim, you can't cross it. And he sees, he sees, as he's coming back, being brought back, he sees by the banks of this uh, river, stream, Eitz Rav Ma'od Mizel Mizeh. He sees a great profusion of trees on both banks of the stream. And he's told, this water, he is told, this water goes, runs out to the eastern region, down to the Arava, to the dry land, 
And when it comes into the sea, it comes into the sea, when it goes down, it literally heals the waters. And all that dwells in the water. In verse number 9, Everything that lives there can live abundantly. The fish will be very abundant, abundant once these waters have reached there. It will be wholesome. Everything will live wherever the stream goes. So this is a stream of water that brings life to wherever it goes. It's a healing water. It's a healing water. It reminds us of the story when they cross the sea. And the first place they come to is Marah, the place of bitter waters. And God teaches Moshe how to sweeten the waters. So over here we have this idea of the stream which emanates from the temple. It goes essentially to the parched land. It turns the parched land into fertile land in a place where nature can live and thrive. And as the description continues, in verse number 12, which is the first part of chapter 47, so the description in this verse, in verse number 12, all kinds of trees for food will grow up on both banks of the stream. The leaves will not wither nor their fruit fail. They yield new fruit every month because the water for them flows from the temple. Their food, fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. We have such prophecies elsewhere. And almost there's a prophecy. The idea that the crops, the fields are being rejuvenated very quickly. That's a prophecy that's not unique to Yechezkel. What's interesting about this particular prophecy, when you read the prophecy about the waters of the temple, which bring healing to the world, and the trees are growing, and the stream of water, and the fruit is very good to eat, and even the leaves can be used for healing. And given the fact that in the book of Yechezkel, he has on more than one occasion told us about the Garden of Eden. He talks about the Garden of Eden back, for example, in chapter 36 in the, in the prophecy of consolation and restoration. He talks about the the land once desolate has become like the Garden of Eden, and the cities once ruined, desolate and ravished. And we remember that Yechezkel elsewhere talks about the Garden of Eden. You once were in the Garden of Eden. You once were like the Garden of Eden. The prophecy about Tyre, the prophecy about Tsar, which describes a different Eden than the Torah depicts, but it's gone Eden. It was very special. And we recall the verse in the Torah when it comes to the land of Egypt. And Sodom, Kigan Hashem Kieretz Mitzrayim, Lot looked up and he saw a very fertile place, Kulam Mashkeh. It's fertile, like the land of Egypt, like the Garden of Eden. It's an interesting verse. It compares the Garden of Eden in that verse, in chapter 13 of Breshit, to Sodom and to Mitzrayim. That's interesting. What is the comparison? But at one level, it talks about the fertility. 
So I have over here a picture that from the temple emanates these waters, and the waters bring life, and the waters are healing waters, and the waters allow the fruit to grow. Call Eitz Machal. It call Eitz Machal is how the Torah describes the fruit in the Garden of Eden. Call Eitz, call Eitz Tovu Machal, right? So basically, it's, a, it's an Eden description, and not only that, in the Garden of Eden, we recall after the partaking of the fruit, it says that the man and his wife took fig leaves and covered themselves up. But here, in Yechezkel's vision, Edenic vision, we have the fruit is positive, and the leaves are actually healing leaves. So Yechezkel does return here at the end to the connection between the Garden of Eden on one hand and the Temple. And as I think we've discussed in the past, that connection between the Garden of Eden and the Temple is one that we already find in the, in the Torah herself. Torah begins with creation, two creation narratives. The Torah speaks of the second creation story of the Garden of Eden, the place from which the human is banished and cannot return. But then, as we read through the Torah, and we come to the book of Exodus, where we leave Egypt, and we travel through the desert. And the book of Exodus concludes with the instructions to build the temple. Five chapters of instructions about building the temple. Actually, six chapters building the temple. And six chapters which describe the building of the temple. And the language that the Torah uses to describe the Mishkan, the sanctuary, is language drawn from the two creation narratives in the beginning of the Torah. And that's wholly a coincidence. Because for the Torah, the Mishgan is a kind of alternative Eden. It's different from Gan Eden. For example, the Mishkan is a place, Torah says, you will come to know God. A phrase that Yechezkel loves very much. It appears at least 50 times in the book of Yechezkel. I didn't count them up. I saw someone say 70 times. I counted 50. I noticed 50. That's the purpose of the Mishkan. That's what the Torah says. They shall know that I am the God who took them out of Egypt to dwell amongst them. That's the goal, to know. In the Garden of Eden, not all knowledge was acceptable. There was knowledge that was off limits. But fundamentally, either by parallel or by contrast, the Torah has drawn from the language of creation to describe this special space, the space in which God and people can dwell together. So there already you see that the Torah presents the Mishkan, the sanctuary, the tabernacle, the sacred space, as a kind of Eden which can work in our world. You can never go back to the Garden of Eden. You can't go back to a place where we don't have choices, because we have knowledge. But you can construct your own Eden, as it were, your own sacred space. See, Yechezkel certainly draws from that. Of course, Yechezkel's vision of the sanctuary and his idea of the sanctuary, as we have seen, is very different from what the student can takes from the Torah's account. It's primarily for Yechezkel a place where God is there. And God's very presence, the very fact that God is there, which is for Yechezkel the purpose of all creation, to establish God's presence but the very presence itself, presumably for Yechezkel, 
has an impact on all those who experience come near, even from a distance, come near to God's space.